Ray DeCruz from Performance Leader discussing after action reviews. Uh, you've got some software that's going to do this. Hi everyone, um, my name is Ray DeCruz. I'm one of the many Australians here in the room today. Um, and it's been a while since I've been in Dallas. I, I come to America quite often because I've got family here. Uh, but it's about 25 years since I was in Dallas uh, when I was a university student after uh, participating in a debating competition uh, over here uh, where I had the privilege of being a judge and knocking Ted Cruz out of the competition. Um, <laughs> so it's nice to be in Texas. Um, but look, you, you'd be pleased to know that back then Ted was uh, extremely serious, didn't have a sense of humour, took himself really seriously, uh, didn't have a lot of friends, so uh, obviously nothing's really changed. That's as political as I'll get. Um, my background um, is as a lawyer. I was a lawyer uh, straight after university. Um, I didn't last very long. I don't think I was a very good one. Uh, and I moved into the learning and development uh, group of the firm. I was working for a large firm in Australia that's now part of a large international firm. Um, and I remember the first day that I was in that new learning role, the then managing partner, who's a good friend of John Chisholm's, walked into my office, that was remarkable in and of itself, uh, sat down and said to me, uh, now that you're no longer a lawyer, you need to know that if you try three things and only one works, that's okay, I've got your back. And that was 18 years ago, 19 years ago. Um, incredibly progressive managing partner. Uh, to Ed's question earlier, my hero, certainly in a professional sense. And I guess um, that background or backdrop of risk is a really interesting uh, issue when it comes to after action reviews, what I'm here to talk about today. Because the, the logic of after action reviews is unarguable. You, you just can't have a good argument against after-action reviews. And the argument that was strong 15 years ago is even stronger today with the more for less culture uh, in this environment. And so I think it is a real challenge and it is very interesting to actually get under the, under the uh, I would say bonnet, but I guess you'll say hood, um, to see why it is the professional service firms really struggle within their culture to make after-action reviews a thing. Now, our business's performance leader is called Performance Leader, and we've been implementing performance feedback and learning software for about 10 years, mainly in law firms. 60% um, of our clients are law firms, the rest from other professional services. Uh, and introducing you know, you can introduce all sorts of uh, new software into this field, particularly at the moment with a lot of the debate going around performance management. So firms are completely up for feedback now tools, you know, in the moment, non-hierarchical feedback. Uh, they're over the line on objectives and objective tracking and aligning objectives to broader strategic goals. But getting firms to cross the line into the after-action review uh, area is difficult. And I know this because we've been 
putting our software out there for about eight months to our existing clients and we've only had a handful of adopters, a couple of law firms and a couple of accounting firms. And so that for us is really interesting, okay, that, the, that there's so much reticence around this particular issue. Um, before I get into actually showing you the software, um, hands up if you know what an after action review is, nice and high. Okay, pretty much everyone in the room. So structured debrief, what worked, what didn't work. I'm amongst friends in this group, I know, because Ron and Ed have been talking about this for years. Okay. Um, hands up if you, in your organisation, you've run an after action review in the last six or 12 months. Okay, that's great too. I was at a conference of learning professionals, uh, law firm learning professionals uh, a few weeks ago, a bigger audience, not one hand went up. Not one hand. So um, <clears throat> I'm clearly amongst friends here. Okay, so what I'm going to show you is the software that we've developed. Um, the software is either standalone or integrated within our existing suite of performance and feedback products. Um, it's going to be a very quick demonstration because the software is simple as it should be. So if you look up on the screen, you can see that um, I've got my project's landing page. So what's happened in this instance is a firm will have um, selected the software, will have sat down with them, will have uh, uh, consulted around what specific needs they have. Um, the after, traditional after-action review questions of, of uh, you know, what was supposed to happen, what actually happened, why, uh, so the analysis, and then finally, what are we going to do differently next time or what did we learn from this? Um, those questions are the core questions. We encourage firms to stick to the core as much as they can, but over and above that, we also encourage them to explore questions quantitative or qualitative that will work for their particular firm. So for example, we've got a firm that likes to ask the question, what did you learn from this engagement that you could apply to another client or, or, or uh, another industry? Fantastic question. A question that the big accounting firms are, are very good at asking. Um, but most others simply don't ask, a wonderful business development tool. Um, for others, um, they might want to ask specific questions around uh, how the project ran to time or budget, and the two traditional constraints around a project. So over and above the standard after-action review questions, we really do try to encourage them to um, consider what might be appropriate for their firm. So this is a mythical firm, Smith & Jones, as you might have guessed. And what I'll do now is I'll just um, click on, a new, on this little plus button over here, uh, which signifies a new project. So I'll click on that. You can hear, see here that we're moving between the words projects and job. That's probably because an accounting firm has been in here or an audit group has been in here playing around uh, with this demo. Um, the person who's setting up the project, which doesn't have to be the project leader, in fact, in many instances, it's better if it's not the project leader for reasons which um, 
there's a fantastic uh, podcast that uh, Ron and Ed have done on this subject. So uh, given that I have such limited time, um, it's, it's a really good introduction to AARs uh, and I encourage you to, to get onto their website to listen to it. It'll give you a lot more of the background uh, and uh, you'll even hear about how Ed runs these things at his dinner table uh, with his kids. So, um, true story, right? Yeah. Um, so the 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 project reviewer would come in here, talk about the uh, job name, select a job type. All of this is customizable um, and broadly relates to the reporting. Um, uh, that you want at the end of the project. Describe the project briefly. If there's a client name, add it in. Add in project team members, add myself in. Uh, we can have multiple project leaders or we can assign project leadership to others. So you could have someone in the organisation who's responsible for setting them up but isn't actually responsible for conducting them. Um, start and end dates. Firms can set their own tags. Again, um, this largely then feeds into the reporting. Things can be private or public. Um, a significant driver of this tool is the, is the knowledge management outcome. Um, for new employees in particular, you know, starting work with a client that might have been a client of the firms for 10 years, um, they'll be able to come on here and look at all the projects that the firm has run with that client and all the significant learning that came out of it. It's really invaluable uh, material and there's really no one in the one person in the firm, no matter how closely they are over the client, who can have the time or scope to provide that kind of background to a new employee. And then finally we've got um, our after action review questions. The first one typically is set up at the start. Um, um, we had a really interesting discussion with uh, uh, Andrew and Hugh, I'm sure you don't mind me mentioning this, but with uh, Andrew and Hugh's managing partner, um, they're starting to pilot the software, uh, who, was, who was talking about the importance of aligning that project objective text with the text in the engagement letter. Effectively saying, this should be a cut and paste. It, and to the extent that it can't be, I think if I'm paraphrasing him correctly, he's saying the engagement letter's wrong. So we've got, to, we've got to create a little bit of a feedback loop here and make sure that that part of the process is right. Once the project's set up, then there are two um, <clears throat> distinct elements to it. So here we have one that I've set up earlier. Uh, and this is the project team leader's view. You can see our after action review questions down the left. You can see over here we've got something called team feedback. So team feedback can have two dimensions to it. It can both allow the team member to provide feedback on the project itself, what worked, what didn't work, and often it's, it's better not to ask them the, the exact after action review questions, but ask them uh, some simpler alternative questions. There are, there are various reasons for that which I won't go into now. Um, but the second option <coughs> is that the project team member can talk about their personal contribution to this project. And when you think about some of the 
debate going on about performance management at the moment, one of the big problems is that we're not collecting feedback as we go. So we're not talking about ratings or anything like that here. We're just talking about collecting a snippet from the person about the work they've just done that we can then bring into a career conversation down the track. Once um, the team members have completed their, um, their, their uh, submissions, then we meet and the project leader can come back and fill out those remaining, uh, those remaining text boxes or whoever the scribe is and mark the project as complete. Um, there are some, there's some very tangible outcomes from this. The first is that there is a, a, a searchable tool that anyone in the organisation can, can use for all of those projects that have been deemed public projects. They only see the after action review content, they don't see the personal reflection. Secondly, management has access to more detailed reporting using the tags. So those tags can be client tags, they can be issue tags. If there's a, a pricing or a scoping challenge that the firm is facing, that would be an obvious tag, for example. Uh, and finally, the output of this um, <clears throat> can be brought into periodic conversations, reflections, career conversations, uh, and so on. So that's the... Um, that's the product. Um, the, the act of engaging in an after-action review is in and of itself valuable. You don't need the software for this to be valuable. Um, prior to the software, we've been doing them on a single sheet of paper, sharing that with our clients. And I haven't really mentioned the client dimension here, but there is a client option where clients can, can have feedback sought as well. I've got about a minute left. Um, so I've... I've given you a little bit of background about us and about the product. I've shown you the product. Um, I guess the, the final thing to close on is this cultural challenge because we know that professional service firms are inherently hierarchical. Um, I know I'm talking to leaders of firms in this room that are non-hierarchical, but we, we know that in any organisation where hierarchy is a strong part of the culture, that these sorts of processes struggle. And so the role of the leader in demonstrating learning uh, and openness to learning and their own vulnerability and the role of the leader in distinguishing types of failure um, is, becomes really important. There's a fantastic article in, in Harvard Business Review that I, can, that I can provide you for the reference later where um, there's, a, there's a, a continuum of of failure, starting at one end of the, of, of the spectrum with ethical failure, which clearly has to be dealt with, but at the other end is experimental failure, where we're throwing up ideas and hypotheses and in many ways after action reviews fits into that category. So it's, as a leader, it's something really worth encouraging. All right. Thank you so much, Ray.